We've got um, two passages that we'll be reading this morning. The first one is from Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. The workers are few. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest then, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then moving to 1 Peter 4, sorry, 1 Peter 5, verse 1 to 4. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Well, it was uh, something that caught everybody off guard. As they say, it came completely out of their field, something totally unexpected. It wasn't a scandal, you know, these political scandals that you get from time to time. Uh, had nothing to do with Matthew Clark. Um, had nothing to do with the Australian Open and then something happening um, there in terms of the dropout of another top seed. You know how these things get big headlines. It was the resignation of the New Zealand Prime Minister, Jacinta Ardern. Um, it just was not expected that uh, she was just going to stand down after coming back from holidays. She was at a meeting with uh, her cabinet and her caucus where usually they plan the year. They you know, get themselves motivated again and they get themselves focused after a, a summer break. If anything was going to happen, it might have been a reshuffle of the cabinet. Um, possibly uh, it may have been the calling of the election date because it's due about October, I believe, in New Zealand. Those are the things that were expected, but not a resignation. That was way out of left field. But it wasn't that that caught my interest. As I watched her address the press and give her resignation, she said something that struck me. Leading a country is the most privileged job anyone could ever have, but also the most challenging. Leading a country is the most privileged job anyone can have and the most challenging. Now, I've got no, no hassles, I'm sure you too, in understanding that leading a country is a huge responsibility and a huge job. But is it true that it is the most privileged job? I mean, the most privileged job. There's nothing more uh, privileged than, than the job of leading a country. And is it really true that it's the most challenging job? We're not taking away from the difficulties and the weight of the office of leading a country. But is that claim correct? 
Today we've had two, uh, or we're going to have two, we've got a second one to come up yet, very special elements in our worship service. Both of them speak to this matter. We're going to test that claim. We're going to test indeed whether indeed the office of elder is in fact even a greater privilege and a greater challenge. Both the Lord's Supper and the installation of elder today uh, point to a truth that people often don't understand. And what we want to do is see not only how important the task of elder is and, and how privileged it is to be called to serve, but also how much it demonstrates to us how much Jesus loves us, how much Jesus cares for us. You know, we sing about that all the time, don't we, how Jesus loves us. But let's stop and really take it in. With the Lord's Supper, we've, we've remembered this tremendous love that Jesus has for us, this just immeasurable care for us. But it's also seen in the provision of elders for the church. This great care for his people, this great love. So let's, let's look into this, let's, let's test this claim. First of all, if we really want to understand um, the position of eldership and, and how much of a privilege it is, uh, we need to understand what's at stake for them if they don't do their job. Something that's true for them but not for a world leader. Paul in his uh, Ephesian, uh, or his address to the Ephesian elders, he was on his way back to Jerusalem where he was going to be arrested and taken to Rome and he calls the Ephesian elders to himself and he wants to give them some instructions, some last words as it were. And he had this to say, therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men for I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God Keep watch over yourselves in all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now that's really interesting. If you know anything about Paul, he regarded himself, and he said it clearly in, in uh, his writings, that he considered himself the worst of all sinners. And the reason he considered himself the worst, because he was a key player in the persecution of the church. He had people rounded up, he had them put into prison and he had them put to death. Physically, in terms of people's lives, early Christians, he had blood on his hands and yet he says here, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. And he says the reason for that is because I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. And having said that, he says to these elders, now you keep watch over the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. What he had done, they now need also to continue doing. But do you realize, do you remember that this harks back to the call of Ezekiel back in the Old Testament, a prophet? When God called Ezekiel, he referred to him as a watchman. Um, it pointed back to the agricultural societies in those days where they had cities and walls and the watchmen were up on the, on the wall and they watched over the city, especially as the laborers went about in the fields. And it was their duty to call a warning when they saw someone coming, that if there was a threat, and the people had to rush in from the fields into the city gates, and then they would shut the gates. Well, if the watchman didn't do his job, people died, and he would be held accountable. Listen to what God says to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 
This is from Ezekiel 33, 7 to 9. Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways, that wicked man will die for his sins, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. Would you want to be a prophet after that? The wicked man will die for his sins, but you will be held accountable for his blood. Then he goes on to say, but if you do warn the wicked man to turn from his ways and he does not do so, he will die for his sin, but you will save yourself. You've done your job. So when Paul says that he had no blood on his hands, that's what he's referring to. That he had proclaimed the word of God. He didn't hold anything back. He gave everything to the people that God gave him to say. And therefore, he was innocent of the blood of all people. Now, how does that relate to elders? They are just as accountable as Paul, the Ephesian elders, Ezekiel, and all those that the Lord has commissioned to watch over his flock. When you take a look at Hebrews 13, verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Why? They keep watch over you as men who will give an account. Did you hear that? Obey them because when it comes time for them to face the Lord, they will have to give an account for the people in their charge. It, it doesn't end when they leave office here. It doesn't end when they die. They have to appear before the judge and give an account for the way they conducted their work. Are they innocent of the blood? It says, further, obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Uh, sometimes I've had, uh, in my experience as a pastor over these last decades, that people have said, well, I, I don't really respect this guy. I'm, I'm not going to listen to what he has to say. I don't want to acknowledge his authority over me as an elder. But listen to what uh, we find in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 13. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. And it says, hold them in the highest regard. And it doesn't go on to say, because they're nice guys or they're good blokes. It says, hold them in the highest regard. Because what? Because of their work not because of their personality, but because of their work. They work for God, for the care of his flock. No world leader, not Jacinta Ardern, not the President of the United States, no world leader is accountable for the blood of the saints in a way that an elder is. None of those people are under shepherds in that sense. It says uh, in, in uh, our text, 1 Peter 5, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, and then it goes on to say, and when the chief shepherd appears. So you've got the chief shepherd. You all know who that is, don't you? Who's the chief shepherd? Jesus. He's the chief shepherd. And what are the elders? They are the under-shepherds. 
A world leader isn't an under-shepherd. An elder is. You have the chief shepherd, Jesus, and then you have these elders who are entrusted with the care of the flock. We see how this works out, how important elders are. When you take a look at Paul's instructions to Titus, Titus was left in Crete with a special task, and that was to appoint elders in every town. Not just some towns, but elders in every town. And then we, uh, we read also in, in Scripture with regard to that, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. We need to remember it's the Holy Spirit that raises up the leadership of the church. It's the Holy Spirit who calls them and makes the church aware of them. It's the Holy Spirit that leads the voting for the elders. And when the vote is finished, it's the Holy Spirit that appoints them. What we're going to do in a moment is the end of a process that began and finishes with the Holy Spirit and continues with the Holy Spirit as they do their work. And that's why when you go to 1 Timothy 3.1, you find this saying, and I'm sure you're all aware of, but didn't realize possibly the significance of it. It says here, here is a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. This is a noble task because elders are working for God through the power and calling of the Holy Spirit for the care of God's people. Now, as I said earlier, we we see the tremendous care and love of Christ for us in both the Lord's Supper and also then in the calling of these elders and the appointment of these elders. We see Jesus' care, for example, in, in our first reading. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, guess what? He had compassion on them. Uh, when I teach the, uh, the kids in the schools in, in the Murchison, uh, I teach compassion and I, I get them to do this. I'll get you to do it. Go like this. Everyone do this. Right? On heart and then outwards. Compassion is your heart going out to people. You see something and you cannot ignore it. Your emotions are stirred. That's what it's describing here. Jesus saw the people. This is in the, in the context of healing diseases and, and everything. But he also had compassion. His heart went out to them because of something else. They lacked shepherds. When you take a look at it, it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus intensely loves us and he cares for us. He demonstrated that in his life and he continues to do that through the spirit today. Jesus touched the whole person, word and deed. He healed their diseases, but there was also something else that was needed. But first of all, let's again remember the sacrifice that he made. He's the great shepherd, as we saw in our text. Points back to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Jesus is the great shepherd. We also see that in Isaiah 53. 
about the suffering servant. It was our sins he bore on the cross. He stood in our place. And in John 10, we read how he laid down his life as a ransom for his people. It's amazing. You know, it says in Romans that God through Christ has loved us so much even while we were still his enemies, while we were the ungodly. We can put it this way, even though we are silly sheep, if you know anything about sheep, and I've learned a little bit more since I've been up in the wheat belt, if you know anything about sheep, they are dumb, stupid animals. The flock, if you go back to the Old Testament with regard to Israel, God often called them adulterous, arrogant, stiff-necked. I can tell you, in all that I've experienced, I've come across that. It's not just because of Dutch heritage and church. That's across every denomination because we're dealing with sinful people. And I'm quite sure there are people who'll think of my ministry to them and say, oh, arrogant. We're broken people. And elders need to pastor to broken people. It's a huge challenge. And it's not just their physical welfare that's at stake. It's not just the economy. It's their eternal welfare. It's where they will end up. And so as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember firstly how much Jesus cares and loves for us, that he laid down his life for us. Yes, he healed diseases and many other things when he was on earth, having compassion for the people, but his greatest act of compassion was his self-sacrifice on the cross. And I, I want you to understand this as we celebrated the Lord's Supper. Did you realize that as we celebrated the supper and Lord willing did so in faith, not on the basis of thinking we were good enough to come, but coming because we know Jesus has paid everything that, we, that needed to be done. Did you realize there was not one sinner around that table? Let that sink in. Yes, we are sinners, we struggle with sin, but around the table, what are we being reminded of? Our sins have been taken away as far as the east is from the west so who was sitting around the table looking to God in faith people that God through Christ chooses to see now already as perfect you understand that this is what grace is all about this is what Martin Luther had to capture the righteousness of Christ that not that which would become his but that which was already his because of Christ's sacrifice. Isn't that astonishing? We know what goes through our mind. We know our flaws and our fallacies. But God chooses through Christ, even as we sit here now, to look upon us as though we are perfect. And that's why he welcomes us as his children. Not will welcome us, he already does welcome us. That's what the Lord's Supper has reminded us of. But we also see the, the great care and compassion of Jesus with regard to the installation of elders. We read there in that passage that Jesus had compassion for the, for the people. But he went on to talk about that, that need for more shepherds. And so uh, when we think about the Lord's Supper and elders, let's understand there's this link between the sacrifice of Jesus 
and the provision of elders. It says in Acts 20, 28, where Paul was talking to the Ephesian elders, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his blood. See the direct connection? Be shepherds of the church of God. And then they're reminded, these are the people that God has bought with Jesus' blood. In other words, be very careful in your commission. Understand the Lord is watching closely. He cares intensely for these people. He died for them. Be shepherds. Keep watch. And so we get that beautiful call. You know, pray that the Lord will send out even more shepherds because the harvest is so plentiful. And so again, this is why elders have a greater privilege and a greater responsibility and challenge than world leaders. World leaders are not going to be held accountable for the eternal welfare of God's people. They're not given that that commission. But elders are. Now, some guys today who are getting installed might say, well, hang on a minute, I think I want to change my mind. Others who have served and thought, oh, I remember things I did or didn't do. Uh, I'm in big trouble. I can tell you that me too, uh, in terms of what I've experienced in my years of ministry, I wouldn't dare be preaching here this morning if I too would not be covered by the blood of Christ. That, that doesn't give me license and doesn't give the elders license to be complacent and just lackadaisical about their work. Oh, well, I got this, this out, of jail, you know, out of jail card. Now, we're reminded of what Jesus has paid. We do the work humbly and eagerly, but knowing that our sins also in our work are covered by that same blood. And so the call to be an elder, it's not about lordship. It's not about holding power. It's not about status. It's about service, Christ-like service. That's why it says, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, serving as overseers. That's another word for elders, overseers. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. It's not a matter of saying, oh, well, I'll do it because nobody else will. Or I'll do it because it's my turn. There's a sense in which uh, men called, whether for the first time or to come back into active service, um, that they are indeed supposed to have an eager heart, chomping at the bit. It's a privilege to serve Christ for his people in this way. No higher privilege in all the world. None. And so it's a calling. The Holy Spirit appoints. Remember what we read in Isaiah. Isaiah has this vision of the Lord. And we hear, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Well, that's the call also that comes to those who are appointed as elders. It's by calling, it's by the movement of the Holy Spirit. Who will go for us? And the response should be, here am I, send me. I'm sure you've seen those ads with regard to, um, I think it was a soccer ball or something. Me, 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 you know, running all over the place. Throw it to me. Well, it comes to eldership and men in the church. In our church, we still believe in headship and service that way. 
Uh, when it comes to eldership, men in the church, uh, if the Lord so calls and moves you, you should be saying, me, I'm willing to serve. Be eager to serve. There's a hymn we're going to be singing um, a little bit later, but there's another one first that takes up that Isaiah passage beautifully. It says, I, the Lord of snow and rain, I have borne my people's pain. Especially on the cross. I have borne my people's pain. I have wept for love of them. They turn away. I will break their hearts of stone Give them hearts for love alone. I will speak my word to them. Whom shall I send? And then you get the chorus. Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. And then listen to these words. I will hold your people in my heart. That's the job of an elder. I will hold your people in my heart. It's about being Christ-like. And so how much does Jesus care and love us? The supper reminds us. He died for us. Paid that price. We're on the cross. He cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's how much he cares. But he also cares and loves us so much that he continues through the ages to provide elders for his church, that the care and the love for the flock that he has may continue to be passed on. I will hold them in my heart. And so we're going to sing a, a song in a moment. And so what's the most privileged job anyone can have? To be a Christ-like under-shepherd. No more privileged job than that. No more challenging job than that. One for which there's going to be great accountability. Brother, let me be your servant. Let me be as Christ to you. Pray that I might have the grace to let you be my servant too. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we give you thanks. We thank you for what we have already tasted and handled this morning with regard to the Lord's Supper. We thank you for the reminder of your great love and care for us, that even while we were sinners, you you weren't calling for us to pull up our socks and, and to improve ourselves, but in the state that we were, you sent Jesus to die on the cross and to take the, the full wrath against our sins upon himself. That even now, Even as we're worshipping, you continue to choose to look upon us as though we are sinless. Father, we thank you too that you care and love for your church so much that through Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit, you continue to provide elders for your people to continue that care and love. Forgive us, Lord, when at times we don't see the elders this way. When we think it's just the part-time job, something that's not their day job, We ask, Lord, that you'll forgive us when we diminish what that task is all about. Forgive us, Lord, when we're disobedient to rightful instruction they give, especially from your word. We ask, Lord, that you'll help us to humble ourselves before you and praise you for these gifts 
that again we see given to us today. Lord, we pray too that you'll uh, continue to watch over us now as we uh, go through this installation. Help us to realise it's not just a matter of, of a, a form, a part of the worship service, just administration, ticking a box. Help us to understand you're here in a very special way, present among us, though unseen, and you're continuing to express your love and care through this installation this morning. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.